<clears throat> I appreciate y'all asking me to come back. You know, when you go somewhere, it's kind of a one-off sometimes, and they say, well, that guy was terrible, you know. It's like a blind date, though, right? I don't know if you're going to be terrible, and you don't know if I'm going to be terrible. Thank goodness it was good on both ends. So, um, Several of you have asked where our kids are. You know, we brought four kids with us last time, and none with us this time. Uh, vacay. No, we... we uh, <laughs> We did not know last time, or when we said we'd come this time, our church, so we go to the Westside Church in Russellville, and our youth had about 25, had a retreat at Camp Cottle where we work uh, this weekend, so our two oldest were, are there at the youth retreat uh, over the last night, and so our younger two, we had a Christmas event yesterday at Camp Cottle, and uh, we had a lot of folks out there, it was very good. We only read, it's kind of one of those things, we only registered, I think, 65 children for the event, but each child could bring mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whomever, older brother, older, you know. So if, it, if you had a family of three or four, and uh, we only registered the child under 12, so we had a bunch of people out there yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, we told the, we read the Christmas story, we painted faces, we rode a hayride and picked ornaments off a little... Charlie Brown trees that we planted, you know, pine trees. You know when you got a bunch of field full of pine trees? We had little Charlie Brown trees everywhere with ornaments on them. And Santa Claus came for a visit, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so maybe next year you guys can come to a camp called Christmas. But my in-laws, Andrea's parents, came down and helped bake cookies. That was one of the funnest things they did. They got to go in, and they had these balls of uh, sugar cookie dough, you know. And each kid just got a ball of dough, and they would just roll it out with their own rolling pin and stamped out their little you know, cookie, and then they, they put them in the oven while they went and did all the other fun stuff, and then they came back and decorated. So Andrea's parents helped with the baking process, so we just left the younger two with them. So I was telling somebody just a minute ago, they said, well, that's not, I think it was you, said, well, that was really nice. Y'all got to get away. I said, well, it was nice, but after about an hour, we were sitting there looking at each other going, what do we do now? <laughs> I didn't have anybody to tell no you know, too, so I just started yelling at Andrea. It's <laughs> like, put that down. Stop it. <laughs> so that worked out really well. We're also going to see a counselor this afternoon. <laughs> hey, I do appreciate you guys being here this morning. There seems to be a few more people here than last time, so uh, maybe that's COVID relief. Maybe you were all sick or out in September. I don't know, but I'm glad to see you here nonetheless. Uh, Andrea and I and our kids, we went to uh, we were in Nashville, Tennessee. I know, I realize as I say that, that could be confusing to you people. Uh, we were in Nashville, Tennessee a few weeks ago. We spent Thanksgiving in Gatlinburg, uh, which was kind of busy. You all thought I was about to say awesome and fun, and it was fun, but there's a thousand million people there. And they all went to Dollywood on Tuesday. I'm just telling you, they were all there on Tuesday. But on the way back through, uh, way home, we stopped, we left at like 5 or 6, 7, somewhere in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, and we got to Nashville at about where normal people eat breakfast, you know, and so we stopped at this really cool uh, brunch place in downtown Nashville, kind of where, you know, where the Titans play, you may not know this, I didn't know, but where the Titans play football, uh, that kind of that downtown area, you got Johnny Cash's restaurant and some other, Keith Urban's bar, all these, you know, honky-tonks from all the country singers, their bars are down there if you're looking for those. And we went over to this place, and we were walking. They said, you got to wait. It'll be about, she said about an hour. But, I mean, that's where we were. We'd already, I'd already paid my, I don't know how much it cost me to park. It was like $25, honey, wasn't it like that? 
I'd already paid to park. We were eating there. I didn't care if I had to wait three hours. I wasn't going to make this a $100 breakfast, okay? So we'd already paid to park. So we just kind of walked, and it was freezing. I mean, literally 32 degrees, it was freezing. And we were just, we'd, we, ha- we didn't have winter coats on, you know, because we'd been running in the car. We weren't bundled. And so we're kind of trying to find the sun as it comes between the big buildings. You guys know what I'm talking about. And the, the wind is blowing between these buildings, but not between these buildings. So we would follow the path of the sun and not where the wind was blowing. And as we're walking along, you guys know in bigger cities how they'll have the big grates on the ground. You know, this particular grate was about, it was at least six feet wide. So it wasn't a standard grate. It was at least six feet wide by probably about six feet. It was a very, maybe five by five, but it was a very large grate. And up from that grate was blowing very hot or very warm air. Can you picture what I'm sharing with you this morning? And as I look on this grate, it's 32 degrees outside. There's a man asleep on the grate. Okay? So can you picture just by what I've shared with you what kind of life this man leads? Huh? I mean, in Russellville, Arkansas, we have homeless people. Now, I know that sounds very rude for me to say it like that, but we have people, and it's, we've, you know, lots of people. We have an organization in Russellville called the Rust Bus, and they take great care of, of, of all those folks, and we support that and help that even as our church, and individually we help, we love that organization. So I'm all for that, but we get a lot of people that, like, go around the corner and get in their brand new Nissan and then come out and stand at the corner and ask for money, you know what I'm talking about? But it was obvious, it was obvious to me this morning as I stand over the man at 8 a.m. in freezing temperatures, he ain't playing. You guys get what I'm saying? It was obvious he wasn't playing. He's not trying to steal from me. He's not going to go buy liquor with some money from me. He's not dealing, you know, drugs with my money that morning. He's homeless. And so I looked at him and I said, hey, Hope it works out. Be warm and well-fed. Walked off. You guys get where I'm going? Huh? Now, the story is real. And truth be told, I, I, I didn't give him anything. I mean, I, I didn't do anything for him. But, man, it stuck with me for the last, how many weeks has it been, darling? I don't know what I would have done. I don't live in Nashville. I couldn't have invited him over. I don't I, you know. You can only beat yourself up so much, I guess, but uh, I don't even carry cash. I guess I could have given him a Disney Rewards credit card. I don't know. But as I, as I looked at the man laying there in the, on the grate trying to catch a little heat in freezing temperatures on the street in Nashville, it clicked with me what the book of James says, right? Let, let's go there real fast. And by real fast for the next 35 minutes. James chapter 2 In verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no what? You can say it out loud. What would you say? No deeds. Somebody said works I heard in the back. What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? That is the most, you can read a lot of Bible and get confused, right? You can read a lot of Bible and say, I have absolutely no clue what they're talking about, you know? And sometimes I've studied the scripture and I'll have people ask me questions and I go, 
They're like, hey, I just want to talk to you about something. I got this real confusing thing in the Bible. Could you help me to understand it? And then I said, well, sure, maybe. What is it? And they asked me, and I go, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what that means. I've wondered that my whole life, you know. But it doesn't get much more clear than the book of James in general, right? But secondly, this verse right here is about as common sense as it can get for us, doesn't it? What good is it? If a man claims to have faith but doesn't have anything to back it up. If this verse, this second part, part B of this verse, I mean cuts to the quick. Can such faith save him? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Have fun on that grate in the street. I hope it, hope it does well for you. But does nothing about physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is. Who said that? Amen. <clears throat> now, I don't think that dead could be said any stronger, do you? Could dead be said any stronger? I mean... We all, somebody, he did, stood up here, and by the way, good job on my sermon this morning, you preached it really well. I almost just dropped the mic and walked away, I thought, that brother just preached what I was going to say, so good job. Holy Spirit's pretty good about that, don't you think? So, uh, you know, I've lost my train of thought thinking about you this morning. But when you sat up here and you talked about all those people who were sick, and people who had cancer, and people who are going through treatments, and the brother who's having trouble with his mind, and the 10 years, and all that. What's the big ultimate end to all those troubles? Death, Death right? And we all know, ultimately, I'm going to tell you all something embarrassing. Okay? Now, I'm not as old as some of you, but I'm older than half of you, all right? But, twice this week, my wife knows what I'm about to tell myself, twice this week, I fell as if I needed a life alert, okay? That's the honest truth. Now, my wife's three years older than me, but she's a lot more spry than I am. I stepped out of our house. We have three stairs. I walk up and down every day of my life. I, she opened the door. She went out. I followed her out, and I went, boom. And she was halfway between busting out laughing and calling 911. She didn't know what to do. But she leaned over and she said, are you all right? I said, yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't get up for about a minute and a half. She said, get up. I said, leave me alone, woman. <laughs> and she said, well, I want you to get up so that I know you're okay. That, was, that, was, that, was, that hurt a lot. But the most embarrassing one this week was Friday night when all of the youth group or at least most of it, was out, out around the fire pit at Camp Cottle. Remember me telling you about that a minute ago? They're all sitting around the fire pit, and I get the fire started for them before they get down there. They're doing their devotionals, and I get down there, I get the fire going, and I'm waiting on them. Another parent from the youth group shows up with the s'mores, and I'm, I, you know, I'm standing around all happy. I got this roaring man fire going, everything's good. I start to go home where there's a, a stump behind this bench I don't see in the dark, and it comes up about my shin, and I turn to go, and I just go, and there's 50 people sitting right here, mind you, and I go, mm. <laughs> you know. And so I disappear in the dark behind the bench, and <laughs> all the kids were like, mm. 
they thought Mr. Lee died, so, you know. We all understand, this wasn't meant to be a funny sermon, but they all understand, we all understand inherently, our bodies get older, right? We age, we get frail, we need a life alert, we need somebody to help us when we fall and can't get up. We know that, right? We understand the ramifications when, when he calls here in the scripture, your faith dead. It doesn't mean that it, that it, that it has a little bit of spark in it. It doesn't mean that you're still a pretty good person and it's probably enough to get you into heaven. It doesn't mean that you really are kind of faithful and you love God, but listen, your faith, if it's not accompanied by action in your life, is not existent. And this realization to me has been, I mean, pretty powerful in my life because most of my Christian life, and I, I was raised in a church, okay? Uh, by the time I was birthed, I was in a pew. If everybody followed me with that, I might have been born in a pew. I don't know. I've always gone to church. I love the Lord's church, and I understand a lot about it. But if all of my involvement and understanding in God, in Jesus Christ, it stays right here, is that faith? He says, Someone will say, verse 18, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. Isn't it crazy to think that the demons, those who have turned their back on God, those serving the prince of this world, the evil one, respect God. That's what shudder is, right? It says, uh, it says the, the Bible teaches us that in order to start our wisdom, to start our relationship with God, we've got to fear him a little bit, right? And so when I was a little kid and my dad came through the room and he started to pull this belt out of that first loop, that instilled a little bit of what in me? A little bit of fear. I could fear him and respect him, but it didn't mean I was doing what he wanted me to do. It didn't mean I loved him or had faith in what he was teaching me to do. And the demons themselves, they recognize who God is, and they respect who he is. He, they know that it ain't going to work out in the end, but they are choosing, have chosen, whatever the case may be, to defy that. The demons themselves believe in God. And I want to say this morning to us, church, a lot of you, myself, spend a lot of time thinking intellectually about who God is. We make plans about what people should do who serve God. We decide what programs maybe we should watch on TV, who we should vote for politically. We get very, and I don't know you, but I'll say me, okay? I get invested in, in abortion laws that may or may not be being passed. I get invested in political campaigns that may be going on. I get invested in what's happening on news and on social media and what the whole world is talking about. And Satan has done one of the best jobs in the whole world that he could do. He's got me so wrapped up in Iraq and, and in and Italy and Afghanistan and in Poland and in all these places all on the road that i got nothing in the world to do with. I have no idea what's even going on. I couldn't go over and help him if I wanted to. I have nothing to do with this. I don't live in Washington. I'm not a senator. Like i got nothing going on in all these worlds. Do you understand? But mentally, my faith is in overdrive, baby. 
I'm believing for everybody. And Satan has done such a good job to get me so wrapped up in a lot of everybody else's business that I start to realize I haven't moved my feet in the Lord's business that I'm so claiming that I believe in. It's like this guy back here saying, I'll learn your name later, okay? What he was saying about the brother that was going and helping the ox in the ditch, right? I can believe a lot of really good things. But even the demons believe. Verse 20, you foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified, listen church, by what he does and not by faith alone. This morning, I think just because this is a church of Christ in South Arkansas, I can make a few assumptions because I've lived in Arkansas my whole life. I've been church of Christ my whole life. We probably got some things in common. If you grew up anything like I did, you spent a lot of time thinking about what's true. Did you guys, anybody hear that? What is truth? You can shake your head if, this is, if you ever thought about that. Okay. We thought a lot about what's truth. I'm not saying we should ignore what's truth, but we spent a lot of time thinking about what's truth and making sure we had it right, making sure we had the market cornered on truth. Something clicked with me recently. When Jesus Christ came, he said, I am the way. We're all spending our time trying to find the direction, aren't we? I am the truth, and I am, what's the third one? The lie. Our life should 100% be lived as if we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? What would Jesus do was a popular phrase for years and years and years, but as cliche as it may be, I mean, that's true. How would Jesus live my life? What would Jesus do each day as he's walking around and seeing people, as he's dealing with family members who are sick, as he's going to work? How would Jesus interact with people? At the first part of James, in chapter 1, he says, "Consider verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because, you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And I've always sort of thought, that that verse was like, you're tempting me to smoke weed or something. You know, like, the testing of my faith. Oh, wait, you offered me drugs. I will turn them down. You have tested my faith. Or, or you're trying to get me to steal from the Dollar General in Mineral Springs. I will refuse that. You have tested my faith. But I'm starting to kind of wonder, because they're, the scripture, the people who translate the scripture it's the same word as what goes on later that says temptation. It's the same word. And some commentaries that I read seem to think that testing is a, is a better word or trials 
is a better translation there than tempting. So it's not so much tempting for me to sin, but it as me to have trials in my daily life. And so what's really starting to ring true with me is that as I live my life, as I go about through my day, okay, there are opportunities for me to do even good that may be a trial for me. You think about this, the, the, the examples that he gives here in chapter 2, first part there in chapter 2, he talks about showing favoritism, right? That's not so much a, hey, I don't want to do drugs, I'm going to refuse, or I don't want to steal or kill or destroy, but there's an opportunity if someone comes into my assembly here or into my workplace or into anywhere in my life and one person looks ragged, one person looks good, the opportunity is for me to be Jesus. Is that not a trial of sorts? Is that not a testing of your faith? And the opportunity there is, is not just for me to not sin or not. The opportunity is for me to go, okay, I'm going to live out my faith now as Jesus would. The second example that he gives there under that part of uh, faith and deeds is Abraham. Who told Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him? Huh? Yeah, God did it, right? So the testing of his faith was not to do sin or not, absolutely not. The testing of his faith was whether or not he would stand in the gap when God called him to. So I want you to think about this this morning. I believe, church, that every day, each and every one of us have opportunities to be Jesus. They may not always be big. And that's been the biggest annoying thing to me as an adult. I thought as I got older, my opportunities would get bigger and maybe more showy, and everybody would go, oh, great Christian, good job. You know, God keeps giving me these opportunities that are like picking up junk after people leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Picking up their trash, you know? God keeps giving me these opportunities to talk to really annoying people, you know? You ever had that opportunity? God keeps giving me opportunities to love people who have sinned against me. I don't like those opportunities. I'd rather just preach. And what, what he said this morning about a lot of stuff good goes on here this morning, I hope you're encouraged this morning. I hope the Spirit of God works within you and your spirit that when you leave here you feel good about yourself. That's great. But if all we've done this morning is that God told a few jokes and really helped me to understand something in the scripture, and boy, I feel good about myself. Our faith is dying. If all we've done is made ourselves feel more believing in our faith, we haven't accomplished anything. Think about this. My wife knows I love her, right? But I want you to imagine with me for a minute, women, Come on, you'll get this real quick. Imagine for me, with me just for a minute, that, that every day your husband says, I love you, and then treats you like trash. Don't go very well, does it? Men, how's that work out for you? Now, I'll give you a better, I'll give you a more easy one to understand. My wife says, honey, would you please, would you please fix this shelf for me that's broken? Everybody in here relates to this one, right? Could you please fix this shelf? Men, what do I tell her? Yes, I say yeah, and I'll say I'll what? I'll get to it, boy, she spoke up. I'll get to it. <laughs> I'll get to it when I can. I'll get to it tomorrow. Oh, sure, I'll get over it today if I can. 
And then she'll pick it up. <laughs> yeah, she has done that, actually. That doesn't end well for me normally. So she says, hey, can you fix it? Absolutely, I'll get to it when I can. Next day she says, hey, I know you're busy. Is it pot? The shell's falling down and all the, you know, pasta's in the floor and all over. Could you fix the shell? Yeah, sure. I'll get to it in a little while, as soon as I can. Yeah. Next day, hey, is it possible, you know, where's the screw gun? If I could find it for you, could you help me fix the shell? Do I need to stop by Lowe's and get some sheetrock screws or something? Oh, no, I'll take care of it, honey. Don't worry about that, you know. How many days does this go on before my wife's starting to think, I'm not going to fix the shells? She's pretty, she's pretty determined woman. She's lasted weeks on some of this stuff. You know, months. <laughs> hey, I called her. I, I said it first, my fault. But I just want you guys to think about this. We come to church. We love God. I don't doubt that you know God. I don't doubt that you know truth. I don't doubt that you know that Jesus is the way. I'm wanting to know when Ephesians tells us that we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I want to know, are you doing good works? I want to know if we're helping people who are poor and who are sick, if we're helping people who are annoying and people who are too loud to listen to, if we're helping people who are a Democrat or Republican, whatever your persuasion is, if we're helping and loving on people the way Jesus did, are you living your everyday life as if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That's what I want to know. You see, you can believe all you want to, but your faith, unless it's backed up by everyday actions, is not faith at all. Just believe. That word, in fact, faith, there at the end of chapter 2, is used somewhat interchangeably several times. And he says even there at the end, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Is the same word there that's used for Abraham believed God. Somewhat used interchangeably. And so there's a mental faith and then there's an active faith. And I believe we're called to an active faith. Belief. Listen, take this with you today. No matter how strongly you believe in something, will not make a bit of difference. No matter how strongly you believe in something, it will not make a bit of difference unless you're acting on it. This morning, I pray that, that uh, I pray that if you're not doing in your life, you know, if you're not living, if people could not tell you're a Christian at your work because you ain't doing nothing for them, I pray you change that this week. I ain't asking you to preach to them. I ain't even asking you to invite them to church. I ain't asking you to read them a scripture or putting a Bible verse on your desk. I'm just asking you to live like Jesus lived. Love them. Live like you believe in the resurrection. You've been created to do good works. And I pray this morning if you need uh, the folks here at this church to come alongside you and be your accountability partner in that and encourage you, and then I pray you'll take advantage of that.